Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 345 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. So on Thursday, we had the NBA draft. The NBA, the, the draft is pretty much the signification of the end of the last season, the beginning of the next. Well, yes, I understand that the season obviously doesn't start tomorrow. It doesn't start directly after the draft. It is pretty much the signal that, okay, last season is over with. Now let's get to this season. And watching the NBA draft and seeing who got picked, and of course we'll talk about some winners, some some questionable decisions, some steals in the draft. Exactly what I thought was going to happen in this draft as far as there's one, there's there's a big dog. And of course, the big dog was Victor Wamanyama. That he was the, I'm not going to say the steal, he was the player. There's always, in, in a, not always, but in a draft, there's usually one player that stands out above the rest. And that one player usually is, is, a generational talent. We we use that phrase a lot. And what does that mean? Generational talent. We use that phrase. We talked about LeBron James, generational talent. We talked about Zion Williamson as a generational talent. What is a generational talent? A generational talent is a player that once in a generation or is so vastly different from everyone else in a good way that he could possibly be not only or I'm not going to say the best player in the NBA or best player in whatever league at a certain point but he is that player that can change the fortune of a franchise he is that player that you draft him he can be amongst the top players in the league fairly quickly and that was Victor Wamanyama. And when 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 people were talking, hell, I did it too. When people were talking about the draft going in, there's a reason why they talked from one or from two down. Like who was gonna go second, who was gonna go third. Because one was so this was probably the first draft since shoot, I don't know, maybe maybe LeBron's draft where it was so clear. There was not one. I actually looked before the draft and everything. There was not one media pundit. There was not one mock draft. There was not one big board that did not have Victor Wamanyama. And this is one of those times where if you had somebody other than Victor going number one, it was it, your credit your or your credits or your um viewpoint probably was looked lesser because again is victor and nobody else and we can talk about steals of the draft winners of the draft this that, and third and that's of course what we're going to talk about but of course let's 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 talk about what the spurs are getting what the spurs of course who drafted victor number one what they're getting One of the biggest reasons and one of the biggest things that's not talked about about when the Spurs drafted Tim Duncan. They had a bad season. I think Dunk, uh, David Robinson was hurt the year before. 
But you're you're bringing in a player as great as Tim Duncan, and you're pairing him alongside a great coach in Greg Popovich, a great player in uh, David Robinson. Now I'm not saying that David Robinson and Nate and and Greg Popovich made Tim Duncan, but what I'm saying is you. It is so rare, and it's so. It's such a cheat code when you get drafted to the right organization or when you get drafted to the organization that fits you perfectly. Trust and believe, if Tim Duncan never went to the Spurs, I don't know the fortune or I don't know how we would look at the Spurs today because I I definitely don't think they'd have as many championships. Even though, yes, Greg Popovich is a great coach, I don't think... He would have as many or any at that point if there wasn't if it wasn't for Tim Duncan. So we would look at the Spurs so differently. But the Spurs are getting a player that can contribute to winning day one. And I'm not saying can like I'm not saying contribute to winning as far as like maybe win 15, 16 games. I don't think that the Spurs are going to make the playoffs. With Victor Waminyama, women Yama, year one, but I think that the skill set that he has, and putting him in the organization that is the Spurs, they will be in contention for playoff spots in years to come, or actually probably after next year. That's now again the only concern that I have about Victor is, of course, his size. The same concern that I had about uh, Chet Holmgren. The same concern that I had about Porzingis. Victor is a very thin individual. Now, he's tall as hell. He's 7'4". And he has a skill set as a 7'4 center that a lot of guards. He has better handles than a lot of guards. Better shots than a lot of guards. He is a freak of nature. But... That is, he is a very thin player, and I think that the game plan around him is to be as physical as you can with him. I'm ex- I'm interested to see what happens when he goes up against a Joel Embiid, when he goes up against a Nikola Jokic, some of the you know the the of course the premier bigs in the league, but size wise and strength wise, some of the stronger bigs. I'm I'm interested to see that because. Skill set wise and talent wise, Victor is up there. He is. There's a reason why all you've heard is generational talent. They just don't say that. They just they just don't say he. You know they they just don't give that title out. But Victor is all of that. <laughs> Victor is a generational talent, and I am interested to see just how how drastically different and how much better he makes the Spurs. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that that's not going to happen. I think he makes the Spurs drastically better. And when I mean drastically better, I mean, again, year one, they're going to be contending for a playoff spot. I don't think that they're going to make. They could make. He's so good. Remember, the Spurs were so bad. They got the number one overall pick. There wasn't due to no trades or anything. Victor Wimbanyama is projected to be so good that I think year one, they can make it at least to the play-in. That's how good he is. Again, we need to see with health and everything, but 
That wasn't a generational talent thing. That's 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 real. That's real. And the Spurs <laughs> the Spurs got him. The Spurs got him. And again, fit matters. I talk about that all the time. Fit matters. And I when we talk about once in a generational talent, right? Um Yes, that matter. Like, yes, your talent and your skill set will always supersede anything, and will always shine when it needs to shine. But, and this is no offense to other organizations, but it's just real. Victor, you could not have fallen in a better spot. Like, I don't think it would have worked as well if he went to Charlotte, if he went to Houston, if he went to Detroit, if he went to Washington, if he went to Utah. I just don't think it would have worked as seamlessly as it seems to or it seemingly will work in San Antonio. And that's no offense to those organizations, it's just truth. I think again, being able or having Greg Popovich, having coached Tim Duncan, having coached David Robinson, having that success and understanding how to use bigs and understanding how to use a a a big that's not from the United States. And a once in a generational talent. Tim Duncan was that as well. And as we see, what, five championships later, he that's exactly what he was. So I'm 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 excited to see Victor um and how he fits with or how seamlessly it's going to be the transition from, you know, the G League to or France team to uh the NBA. And I'm, I'm I'm interested to see how he fares against players like Nicole Jokic and and Joel Embiid and you know Rudy Gobert and stuff like that. So I'm excited. And of course, talking about the draft and one thing that I talked about outside of Victor was it went exactly how I thought it would go. There is once in a generational player, and there's a bunch of other players. And don't get me wrong. First of all, congratulations to everyone that got drafted. Everyone that got drafted deserves to be drafted. And everyone that didn't get drafted, that doesn't mean that you don't deserve to be drafted. That doesn't mean that you're not good. Uh, It just means that you're, you know, you just didn't get drafted. There's, I mean, look at look at players like Gabe Vincent. Look at players like Max Struess, um, Fred Van Vliet. It doesn't matter, you know, you can be very successful in the league and not be drafted. I see a bunch of players, Leaky Black, um, there's a bunch of players, the uh, Sadego from UConn, a bunch of players that didn't get drafted but are signing two-way contracts, Drew Timmy, or Drew, yeah, Drew Timmy, signing two-way contracts, or signing exhibition contracts, just, you know, shine, <laughs> shine, do the best that you can, and and congratulations for getting that two-way contract. Congratulations to all the players, both round one and round two, for getting drafted. You know, it is <laughs> it is definitely a, a very uh, limited class, or not limited class, limited uh, section of the world of people that can say they've been drafted or can say that they've been in the NBA. Um, so congratulations to you guys. And this is no disrespect when I say it, but... It was Victor Wimanyama, and then it was uh, everyone else. Now, yes, Brandon Miller, Scoot, uh, the uh, Amin Thompson, Ashur Thompson. Of course, they're great players. All these, all the players that got drafted are good players. Um, but it, it 
when we to to di- to dissect the draft, you have to understand what the draft is and what what the goal of the draft is and why people fall, why people sit, why people get elevated. The draft is on is is the first chance that you get to really not just work on the present or not just improve on the present with your team, but improve on the future. You don't draft uh now again, someone like Victor Wemiyama, someone like uh let me see, someone like a LeBron James, someone like a Kevin Durant. You draft, of course, for the now and for the future, but the NBA is, is the NBA is in such a great place as far as the talent level. Every team, whether terrible or Denver Nuggets, has uh, is, is talented. Now, again, yes, some are more talented than others, obviously, but every team is talented. We're in a we're in an age where the the talent level is is not as wide as it is. We kind of saw that in college basketball. We're seeing that in the NBA as well. Every team, hell, the Portland Trailblazers got the third overall pick, and we'll talk about them later. They also have Damian Lillard. <laughs> Orlando Magic, who we'll talk about also. They have the sixth overall pick. They have Paolo Bancaro. They have Jalen Suggs. They have solid pieces. So the talent level in the NBA is so so much better for for all teams that the draft, you're not really drafting for the now all the time. You're drafting for the future and and to make your team better. Now, yes, you would hope that these draft picks can help the team now, but you're drafting a pick to hopefully be the face of the franchise one day. And you're also drafting to fill un- fill holes that you have in your team and hope that said player fits said hole, uh, which is why you see every draft pick team needs. You're filling holes. And... The biggest hole that the Spurs have was just to get better players. They have good players. I mean, Keldon Johnson's pretty good. But you have the staple. Now, you know, the 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 Hornets, they had to figure out what they were going to do. Are they going to go? I think probably the second best player in the draft was Scoot Henderson. However, when you have LaMelo Ball, do you want to get another bit or another ball dominant guard? And they went with Brandon Miller, who, of course, is a forward <laughs> and who's who's been on the runs or been on the media rounds pretty much saying Paul George is his goat. Hey, that's his goat. <laughs> but, you know, you fill in holes and, and you try to incorporate players to fill in holes. And there are some really good players. There's some players that fell that I'm, I, I was a little surprised about. But um, it was – I don't – Looking at this draft, man, I don't know if there's any any franchise changing players outside of Victor Wembanyama. I mean, the closest that I could see is probably Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson. I think Scoot Henderson definitely has a chance to, uh, but I, it also ha- to do that. It also ha- if matters, you know, fit matters, and it also matters where you get drafted. 
uh, are the Thompson brothers, which shouts out to them, the first brothers and I think in NBA history to get drafted back to back. Um, are they going to be able to change the fortunes of Houston and Detroit, two teams that have been bottom for or bottom feeding teams for a minute now? Uh, Scoot Henderson has all the characteristics and all the skill set to change the organization, but is he going to be able to change the fortune of a Portland Trailblazers team that has a marquee player and still can't get it right? So, you know, I, it's it's interesting. To, it was interesting to see again, um, the type of or or the fact of there's a lot of good players. I don't know if there's great players. I don't know how great Brandon Miller is going to be. I don't know how great uh, Anthony Black is going to be. But they are good players. Let me just say that. I think there was one great player, and that's why we didn't talk about him that much in mock drafts or that because you just knew. We know who Victor was, and we knew. I mean, again, they just don't say once in a generation. They don't. They just don't give the, that title to anyone. So... Um, but in the draft, uh, what I want to do is I want to talk about some winners, some losers, and I'm not going to call it losers. I'm going to say questionable decisions. Um, and who are some steals in the draft? Uh, let's start, let's start on a positive note. Let's start on the winners outside of, of course, the Spurs. The Spurs are the big winner for getting the number one overall pick. One of the winners that I'm picking is, uh, Miami. Now, it was a little head-scratching, don't get me wrong. It was a little head-scratching picking Jaime Jaquez Jr. at the 18th pick, especially when a lot of people had him as a second-round talent. And there's a bunch of people that went second-round that were first-round talents. But one of the reasons why I say he's a winner is, and, and I, I've ta- I talked about this before, I think people get so attached and so so loyal to draft comps and so loyal to scouting reports that they don't watch the tape themselves. I think I see that a lot, and I felt this to an an extreme when we talk about the NFL draft. I think, I mean, yes, I understand that there's, what, seven, eight, seven rounds. Um, I understand that a lot of people don't. It's, it's hard to watch every single player, right? But when we talk about one of the biggest reasons why I have the Miami Heat as a winner is because when you look at uh, Jaime Jaquez's play at UCLA, he was a, a, a incredible player, an incredible scoring option, uh, a leader, he, to me, he fits the Miami Heat culture. I understand a lot of people. And at, at first, when I was like, "Whoa, okay," I thought it was a little bit of a reach, but I did like the I did like the fit. And especially for a team that struggles offensively, that's Jaime Jaquez. You know, he he is an offensive weapon, and I think that he was really good, I, especially at UCLA. And I think he's going to be really good for Miami. I do agree that it is sort of a reach, but 
to me, you get a player that fits your organization and fits your culture perfectly. So I think that the Miami Heat is a winner. <laughs> Honestly, I also think that Golden State is a winner. I mean, not Golden State. Um, the 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 Wizards, the Washington Wizards. Um, and not just for the draft. We'll talk about the trade a little bit later, but. I don't know. In fact, I'm going to try to say this man's name. <laughs> this man's name is uh, Bial Kabali. Kolbali. I know I messed your name up, bro, and I truly apologize. But he was a teammate to Victor Wamiyama, and Washington is in a full rebuild. Now, you can also put them on the losers thing because they're a year too late, but at least they started. And you got a good draft pick. I mean, Washington has a bunch of needs at this point. And you traded the number seven pick, or you traded the number eight pick for the number seven, just a pick swap. Uh, and you get you get Mr. Kabali, Kalbali. I know I said it wrong. It is what it is. Um, six six player. There's a very good chance that you're going to lose, or you're not going to be able to re-sign Kuzma. So. She can play the four position. We'll talk about the guard position in a second. But on top of that, there was more that came out about the Bradley Bill trade. Uh, Washington gets, what, four second round or seven second round picks and four first round pick swaps with Phoenix, which is, damn, that's a that's a haul. Especially, you pretty much put yourself in the Oklahoma City realm as far as picks. So, I do think that they are a winner, especially when it comes out just the compensation that you got for Bradley Bill. Because originally, I just thought it was just said multiple picks, and I'm like, what the hell? What? <laughs> but you did. They, they did get a haul. Um, another winner, I think, is the New Orleans Pelicans. I think that they had one of the well, let me, uh, oh, damn, I am just going crazy with the mic. I apologize, guys. Um, okay, I don't know if I want to put them as a winner or a sleeper. I'm going to put them as a sleeper. I'll put them as a sleeper. Another winner, I think, is Toronto. Again, you draft the, the, the reason for the draft, of course, is to improve an area that you need improvement. And as we know, one of the biggest areas of improvement that Toronto needed was shot making. Um, they were one of the worst teams as far as catch and shoot, as far as three point percentage. They just were not good. And you end up getting the best three point shooter in Grady Dick. You get him in the draft at 13. That is a perfect fit. Kind of like uh, it's. It, you address a need and the good thing about Grady Dick and the good thing about the Toronto Raptors is if they're able to you know keep Pascal Siakam we'll see with the guard position about Fred Van Vliet but you're able to he's he's not really needed for much outside of shooting uh he can play more of a advanced Duncan Robinson role so I think that Toronto the Toronto Raptors is, is a winner as well on top of that you get um you you get a player that understands how to win and understands you know how, even though he's not going to be a a 
you know, number one option or number two option. He it was a very integral piece in Kansas. So I think it was a it was a good move, man. It was a good move uh, as far as as far as uh, Toronto getting their player. And the last winner I'll talk about, I'll give three winners, are the Portland Trailblazers. Again, we will talk about the Damian Lillard aspect a little bit later in the show. I'm just talking about the picks. And you got the 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 you got the second best player in a lot of people's opinion in the draft in Scoot Henderson. And he is a player that he could possibly be a franchise-changing player. You know, he played for the Ignite, uh, G League Ignite. He played for, or he he has, he's a physical specimen. He is a Russell Westbrook with a better jump shot. A Russell, uh, I heard Russell Westbrook in UCLA pretty much, you know, with the physical. He's just bigger than everyone else. And he is an athletic freak. Uh, and now that he's under the mentorship and tutelage of Steph Curry, his shot could possibly get better. Uh, on top of that, you you address you get Chris Murray, who was one of the best three point shooters in college, and of course the brother to Keegan Keegan Murray. the The Portland Trailblazers, man they they addressed what they needed to dress uh, address and. They they also got Ryan or Rupert, who is a forward, a guard. They're building their now. No, this team, the, the Portland Trailblazers, are nowhere close to contending for a championship. But you you have laid down the foundation to be a better team. Uh, again, we'll talk about Damian Lillard in a second. See what happens with uh, Grant. This could be the 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 foundation of a good team moving forward. It's just patience, and you got, in my opinion, the second best player at three. So, those are probably the winners that I have in the draft. I'm not gonna go as far as say losers, but what I will do is I'm gonna say head scratching decisions. And my first head scratching decision actually has to go with the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic team currently. They draft first again. Congratulations to everyone that get drafted. This is no offense to you guys. I don't. I'm not. This is. I think you deserve to be drafted. Uh, the Orlando Magic at six drafted Anthony Black, who is a guard, of course, from Arkansas. Uh, they also at the eleventh pick drafted uh, Jet Howard, who was from Michigan. I think uh, Jawan Howard's son. So. The Orlando Magic, they draft. I'm really focusing on their first, the sixth pick, which is Anthony Black, who is a guard. Um, here's the thing. Here's the current guard rotation for the Orlando Magic. Caleb Houston, even though he's a small, no, Jalen Suggs. Kayvon Harris, Michael Carter-Williams, Gary Harris, Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony, and now Anthony Black. Not to mention you have Bol Bol who likes to handle the ball a lot, and you have Paolo Bancaro who is pretty much a point forward. My thing is, what direction are you going in? Anthony Black is an incredible player. Don't get me wrong. I think that he was one of the better guards, uh, obviously, in the draft, being able to go, you know, in, from Arkansas. 
I think he would have been really before the events that happened before the trade. I was looking forward to seeing him maybe in 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 Washington. Uh, but I just don't know the direction you're going in because now you're, you're you're stockpiling guards. You can kind of say the same thing about Detroit getting uh what Azure Thompson or Thompson. Like yeah, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong, but what are you doing? You also you just got Jaden Ivy the year before. You also have Keegan uh, Killian Hayes. You also have uh, uh what's his name. Uh, uh, Cunningham, Cade Cunningham. So it's like I d- I don't know what the Magic are doing. I don't, and and I guess number two, I kind of spoiled it. Number two would also be the Detroit Pistons. It's just to me the draft picks that they have. And and don't get me wrong, I really like the Thompson brother. I I really like him, and I I really like um uh. The 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 player of Anthony Black. I like their those those picks. I just don't like where they went because it's like, how are you going to contribute when you have again? There's only one basketball, and you have a team full of guards and a team full of full of people that need that thrive with the ball in their hand, as i.e. Azure, uh, Azure Thompson. So. It was just confusing to me. My, I guess my first two questionable decisions were was the Orlando Magic and Detroit Pistons. Like I don't, I don't understand with the amount of guards they already have in the team. Why you get? I understand that Thompson is a guard forward for Detroit, but for Orlando, Anthony, Anthony Black is the full definition of a guard. I don't. There ain't nothing to that. Ain't nothing else. Like he is. How tall is he? He, he is 6'5". And Jet Howard, I think that he was more of a second-round pick or second-round talent. Again, I could be wrong. He was really good at Michigan. Don't get me wrong. I just think that he was a second-round talent. So, I don't know, man. It, it, the, the, I just, I'm, just, I'm just left with more question marks about the organization's moving forward after the draft. And to me, if you have a lot of questions, if you have more question marks going out of the draft and coming in that I'm not going to say a loser. I'm not going to go as far as it's just questionable to me. And another questionable decision, in my opinion, was Golden State at 19, getting Brandon Pazeminski. Now, from Santa Clara. Now, I understand the Golden State way. And again, we will talk about the, the Jordan Poole trade a little bit later. But all year, one of the biggest um, one of the biggest concerns and big, biggest hindrances to Golden State was the the lack of size and the lack of athletic size. Now I, I hear all the rumors about uh, Jonathan Gaminga growing. I'm not gonna attach myself to those rumors because I don't I don't know if they're true or not, but. You're getting a 6-5 pretty much guard. And you could there's a bunch of players. And not to mention if you I understand that you you're getting uh Pozinski, I apologize for his shooting ability. I get that. 
but your biggest <laughs> you needed a bunch of of size and i i do love i will say this i love their pick that they got you know with the trade and everything what you know they traded uh trace jackson davis a six eight forward slash center i do like that i like the athleticism that he brings and i think that 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 is a very good pick as far as he's a top round one talent that you got in the second round uh but there was just a uh, there to me you just had more you had more issues and more issues that needed to be addressed yes i understand that you can't have enough or you can't have too much shooting but golden state's biggest issue is uh, when they played up against the wall the the lakers they just did not have the size and while i like brandon paul podzeminski from santa clara i like him and i think he's an incredible shooter and i think his shooting especially alongside steph clay will will definitely enhance i just don't know if it addresses their biggest issue actually i do know it does not address their biggest issue and that is athleticism and height now yes i understand that they're you're probably hoping for a big year or now you're needing a big year now from someone like a uh, jonathan kaminga but i don't know man i just think that there was there was there was better pieces you could have got. Like you could have got uh, Noah Conley from Alabama. Uh, you could have got a. Let me see. Because you didn't. You don't really have any height. You could have got uh, James Najai from Spain. You could have got um, Leonard Miller from G League. You could have got Mohamed Gunay from. Washington State. I just think there was better pieces that you could have got us to address your needs. Um, but hey, I could be wrong. That's just a questionable decision. Um, and I know I'm. I, I know I wanted to keep it at three, but I think an uh, uh, <laughs> an honorable mention questionable decision has to go to Memphis. We'll talk about the Marcus Smart trade in a second, but. When you look at the trades that they made compared to the draft picks, it it doesn't make much sense to me because why trade? I understand that you had to, um, you had to address you know your guard position now, your backup guard position, and your forward position, seeing as though you have already come out and say that, uh. Dylan Brooks is not coming back under any circumstances, and I think getting G.G. Jackson was was big from Jackson or from South Carolina. You get an an, an uber athletic player, very raw, kind of like a Jonathan Kaminga as far as just rawness, um, or Jonathan Kaminga coming into the league. But and and you get uh Tarek Bolverskivig from Turkey. I know I messed your name up, bro. I apologize. But um, my thing is, is is Gigi Jackson that much better than Dylan Brooks? Or if that's the case, why not draft other? Or why not get maybe a I don't know a a. a I just don't know the direction that Memphis is going in, and that's that's the thing. If 
the players that you drafted, you had better versions of them. You just let them go. So I don't I don't know. But I think the biggest question marks, of course, to me was Orlando, Detroit, and the first pick for um, Golden State. Now let's talk about steals of the draft. I think that everyone wants to get a Giannis. Everyone wants to get a, of course, Nikola Jokic, who was in the second round, of course, a Draymond Green. And the draft is not a science. I will say that. The draft is not a science. You're not going to you're not the, the the number one pick doesn't always turn out to be their best player obviously i mean when you look at i think Giannis was drafted in 2013 or something or something like that he obviously wasn't the, the number one overall pick and you see what he turned out to be Kawhi leonard was not the number one overall pick you see what he turned out to be um steph curry was not the number one overall pick. You see what it turned out to be. The the, the draft is not an always science, and there's always going to be steals. There's always going to be players that can emerge and be the best player in the draft and doesn't ultimately have to be number one. You can get them in the second round. It's just who are the players that you look and say, hmm, that could be something interesting. Uh, and I, I'll, I'll give three names. Number one. Uh, I'm going to obviously go with uh, <laughs> where's he at? Obviously, go with Cam Whitmore uh, f- from Villanova. Cam Whitmore, he was projected to be a fourth or fifth pick. That's how good he was coming out of Villanova. I understand that he had, I guess, a medical situation, and that is what ultimately dropped him to twentieth. But it kind of feels like the same thing that happened with Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. was a top top tier talent. Michael Porter Jr. going into the or going into college was projected to be a number one overall pick. That's the type of talent that he garnishes or that he has. Let me say. But of course, due to injuries in Missouri, he he fell to in in Denver's lap. And now you see how integral he was to their championship run this year. I'm not going to say that Cam Whitmore is going to be the key cog to a championship run for Houston. But I will say that Houston got a top five, top five draft pick pretty much at 20. Because they're saying it's because of medical history or medical thing is kind of scary for teams. But Cam Whitmore... At a Villanova 6'5", he is an incredible shooter, incredible, incredibly offensive, gifted player, and he's from the crib. <laughs> I just, that is, that to me can be a possible steal of the draft. He, if, all right, if we talk about players, right, and we talk about out of the top, anyone out of the top or lottery, you know, if, if there's a player that could win rookie of the year or be in contention to rookie of the year that's out of the lottery, I would say, cam whitmore because he has a lottery talent and he was projected to go top 10 at least and you get him at 20 so yeah um that's my my number one pick or a my number one sleeper would probably be cam whitmore seeing as where he fell actually you know i have a couple of sleepers another one would be 14 at jordan hawkins jordan hawkins Possibly is the best shooter outside of probably Grady Dick. Probably possibly the best shooter in the draft and mature 
He just won a national championship with UConn as their starting guard. Jordan, he, he is also from the crib. Have to show love. And you playing alongside or, or playing behind C.J. McCollum is is perfect for the for the Orlando or New Orleans Pelicans. I'm sorry, that that's just a team that's in desperate need of 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 shooting, because right now outside of what Brandon Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum, they don't have a legit shooter on the team that they can depend on. They have people that can hit a shot, but they don't have. A, a dependable shooter and getting Jordan Hawkins to me fills that hole beautifully and playing alongside of CJ McCollum. And we know about the maturity and you're already getting a mature player in Jordan Hawkins. It's just, it's just perfect. So I have that. And I also, I, again, I have Cam Whitmore. I have Jordan Hawkins and, um, I have, uh, I have Derek Lively the second. Dallas, Dallas is Derek Lively. I mean, all you heard last night about the story of him growing up and and coming up in basketball and him and his moms and and just the hard road that it it took to get to the dra- get to Duke, get to the draft. When we talk about a a, a young player that can really make a dent round or day one. I'm not saying that Derek Lively is is going to make Dallas a championship contender. What I will say is he gives me incredible shades of, of JaVale McGee. And a lot of people look at JaVale McGee and only think of, of course, the Washington Wizards JaVale McGee. But when I say JaVale McGee, I think about just the pure athleticism and height. I mean, Derek Lively is 7-1, and he's able to jump out the gym. He also has a jump shot. I just think he is going to do dividends, and he is going to be incredible and a, an incredible steal, especially at 12 for Dallas. I mean, I know Oklahoma City drafted him, and, of course, he got traded to Dallas, but that's a, that's a big pick, and that is, that's that's somebody that I, I think if he was, which I don't think he would have been, of course, but if he was still available at 19, he would be perfect fit for Golden State. Um, so I getting getting for Dallas now. You're going to play alongside Luka Doncic, and that's nothing. Derek Lively with his defense and you know his lob or lob catching ability, he does not need the ball to make a make an impact. So. I think that's a that's a steal right there. And I guess my last steal and the last thing I'm going to talk about before we move on from the draft is Imani Bates at 49. Um, to me, this is a – the reason why I have Imani Bates as a steal is because before all the off-the-court incidences, before the injuries, before – you know, not really working out in Memphis and then going to Eastern Michigan. Imani Bates was projected to be kind of like a, a, a Michael Porter Jr. again. He was projected to be a number one overall pick going into this year's uh, going into this year's uh, or last year's let's say college season in Memphis. He was projected to be a one and done 
go to Memphis under Penny Hardaway, his tutelage, uh, that, and, and, and go on and be a number one overall pick. He had the skill set. He had the talent. I mean, we saw him at Rico Hines runs. We saw him practicing and playing alongside actual NBA players. And, again, whatever happened in Memphis, it didn't work out. And then we know about the off-the-court issues. And now, you know, being in Eastern Michigan, a, a, a number one overall talent dropped to 49 in the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm interested to see what he what he looks like. Now, yes, defense-wise, not that good. I mean, he's only 190 pounds. Uh, in six nine, so he definitely needs to uh, bulk up. But I'm interested to see what he looks like next to Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, as well as Evan Mobley and and Jared Allen. I think that if you're able to tap into the potential that is Imani Bates and tap into that number one overall pick potential. Then you have you have the steal of the draft because you have a number one overall pick potential. You got him at forty nine. Now again, I don't know because I do want to see what he looks like in an NBA system. I do want to see what he looks like going up against and having to deal with. I mean, he's a forward, <laughs> so having to deal. Even though it says guard, he's six nine. He's a forward. Having to deal with. You know, having to play a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard one night, having to play uh, Clay Thompson or Draymond Green the next, or Andrew Wiggins. You know, I'm 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 interested to see what that looks like. But if you're able to tap into that potential, you could have the ultimate steal of the draft. So, again, man, I want to congratulate everyone that did get drafted. Uh, and everyone that didn't get drafted, that's that's going to find their way onto a team, whether it's the NBA, whether it's the G League, whether it's overseas. If you're good enough to play, congratulations. Just, just being drafted doesn't make you or break you. And again, not being drafted doesn't either because, I mean, I just gave examples. Greg, Gabe Vincent, Fred Van Bleet. Just because you weren't drafted doesn't mean that you can't make an impact we saw how important greg gabe vincent and max Struess and duncan robinson was to the miami heat in their ultimate nba finals run this year and again we fred van vliet and how important he was to the ultimate toronto title run now i understand Kawhi leonard was there but fred van vliet hit really big shots in the playoffs so congratulations to everyone that did get drafted, didn't get drafted, got on uh, or will go undrafted or and, and sign two-way contracts or go to the G League, go overseas. If you're going to continue to advance your career in basketball, congratulations to you. So, before the draft and going into the draft, we had a big bombshell. And I think... This is probably the first ripple effect or trade that we've seen that is directly a directly in correlation to the new CBA rules. And that is, of course, Jordan Poole getting traded to the Washington Wizards for Chris Paul. 
we talk about the new CBA a lot, and what we talk about is you hear a lot of first apron and second apron. I talked about it on the show, but you know we know the first apron is is pretty much being over the draft or over the salary cap to a certain extent, and the second apron is being drastically over the uh, salary cap. And being over the second apron has drastic ramifications. Like uh, <laughs> you, you can lose draft picks. You can you lose your ability to pick up uh, uh, buyout or buyout players. Like it's 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 drastic ramifications. And Golden State found themselves or the, the pretty much CBA was solely made to combat the spending habits of Golden State and teams like the the Clippers or teams that just throw caution to the wind and say, hey, we have enough money. We don't care about the whole lot of – we don't care about the whole salary cap. We'll just spend what we got to spend, and, of course, it'll ultimately win in a championship. Well, when you pay Jordan Poole four years, 120 – or 100 and what thirty million dollars? You hope that this player is not only going to help in the present, which of course he did. He was a key part of Golden State Ultimate Championship run two years or last year. But you hope that they are going to be key components in a key part of the future. Uh, what Golden, Golden State was doing something that was unprecedented. And obviously, as we see, it didn't work. What they were doing is they were trying to operate on two different timelines. They were trying to maximize the present while building for the future. And in and, and sports and basketball, that doesn't work. If, if you're going to maximize on the present, you have to maximize on the present. And when you have to worry about the future when you're worried about the future. Or if you're going to worry about the future, the present can't matter as much because you're not going to be able to do anything in the present because you're so worried about the future. I.e., uh, the 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 Washington Wizards now. What they were trying to do is they were trying getting Porzingis and getting Bradley Bill and extending Bradley Bill and getting a Kuzma. You were trying to maximize the present. Well, the present wasn't getting you anywhere. So now as you see full rebuild, they're worried about the future. You see that with the Orlando Magic. You see that with uh, the the Detroit Pistons. You see that with the Oklahoma City Thunder. The thing about Oklahoma City is they got they got lucky and landed, or and due to a trade for Paul George, you got Shea Gilders Alexander, and you didn't know that he was going to be as good as he is. I mean, he's he was a first overall, no, he was um first team All NBA this year. So. Golden State tried to do the whole we're going to plan for the future while maximizing the present that doesn't work. So this trade is probably the first trade that is going that is directly affected by the new CBA. And I get it. I understand it, especially when we talk about whole salary dump and everything. And and it, it was just it was just obvious that. Jordan Poole couldn't coexist with Draymond Green and it didn't hell <laughs> they traded Jordan Poole and I don't remember I don't think I've seen a thank you 
from Jordan Poole. You know how teams were like, thanks, or good luck on your next adventure? Like, I haven't seen that from any Golden State player. And we know, you know, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, we know the type, the class personified players that they are and that the Golden State Warriors organization is. I did not see one thank you for your services, Jordan Poole. And it's also funny that this trade came four days after Mike Dun- Mike Dunleavy, who was the new GM of Golden State, coming out and saying that he wants Jordan or he expects Jordan Poole to be there for the next four years. Minimum. So I'm guessing the four years turned into four days quickly. But the trade was, of course, Jordan Poole for Chris Paul, pretty much. I think uh, uh, Paul Baldwin the uh, junior or whatever or the fourth or something he was traded to so let's talk about how this affects both teams let's let's first talk about the wizards this is a new this is a very interesting time for the wizards because the wizards have we saw i mean if if you want to go back and see the rant that i had with the um paul uh Bradley Bill trade. You can go back to last episode. Uh, I didn't know all this. You know, there was more information that came out. So I felt a little bit better seeing with the pick swaps and just how many picks that they got. But Washington has been active, man. You trade Bradley Bill. You trade Christoph Porzingis, but we'll talk about in a second as well. You, you also trade now Chris Paul for Jordan Poole. The Washington Wizards in full rebuild mode, and I didn't think that they would. Um, I didn't think that they dedicate themselves to it, but they obviously have. They've been trade heavy, and I think Jordan Poole, <laughs> the, the the whole it's it's the whole funny joke around social media is he's going to do numbers at Rose Bar. He's going to do numbers in the DC clubs, which I I will say uh, basketball wise, I think. Jordan Poole will be terrific in Washington. I think Jordan Poole is one of those players where he just needs the green light and the freedom to to do what he wants offensively. I talked about that when we talked about the whole situation with Jordan Poole and why it didn't work with Jordan Poole. Um, I think that Jordan Poole is a player that he thrives off confidence and he thrives off the ability to, to make art with his with his speed and with his offensive weaponry and your point now Washington doesn't really have a direction next year so you have the the ultimate green light and I think that he's going to be incredible I think that he's going to be uh, a very I think he's going to be at least a 23 to 24 point score a game next year I don't think he's going to take Washington any new heights but I do think he's going to be very and uh, he's going to be a very exciting piece to watch for Washington. I don't think it's going to result to wins or anything, but because I don't think Jordan Poole is a winning player, but I do. Well, let me not say that. Let me not say that. Let me take that back because I don't like the whole winning losing thing. I, I don't, I don't think that Jordan Poole's skill set, especially along with this team, um, can, 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 ultimately put the put the franchise in a direction next year that results in championship aspirations or playoff aspirations but what i will say is jordan Poole to me is a is a great player to be you know just a hey just go do what you do 
Just go score. So I think it's it's a it's a it's a good fit for Washington because you know Jordan Poole has the freedom to do, and we know when Jordan Poole we we saw that when Jordan Poole's in the starting lineup, he's an incredible player. When he's not playing alongside Steph, you know he averaged damn near twenty five, twenty six points, I think. Um, but we'll see. The where where I'm a little confused at is on the Golden State side. Again, I think that this trade was made solely because of, well, not solely, but mainly because of the new CBA. And Golden State didn't want to find themselves drastically over the second apron or drastically in the second apron of the new CBA. Um, But when we see the trade for Porzingis, and again, we'll talk about that in a second, and we see some of the other trades, and then we know the just the type of player that Jordan Poole is. I just think you could have got more than a Chris Paul. And I think it's crazy that Chris Paul, who is a future Hall of Famer, who's one of the best point guards to ever play, has now been relegated to pretty much a, a cash dump. But what's confusing to me is the fit. Golden State is one of the fastest I think they were like the sixth fastest offense in basketball last year. And we know with Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and how, Dr- and how uh, Steve Kerr runs his team, it is a fast-moving machine. You're bringing in Chris Paul, who's not only about going to be 39 years old in the playoffs next year, um, he's one of the slowest operating players like he's one of the slowest point guards as far as he operates on a slow offense he thrives with a slow offense and I just don't know how that's gonna fit with the Golden State Warriors style of play on top of that obviously they've had to you know they've had to have a conversation with him and Steph is is I don't, I don't think they can I, I don't want I don't think Clay Thompson is in a place, especially offensively or no defensively to play the small forward position. And I don't want to see Andrew Wiggins at the powerful position. I think that 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 backcourt in Steph Curry and Chris Paul is just too small. Uh, And they already struggle defensively. I don't think that's going to make it any better. So I think that you're going to have to bring Chris Paul off the bench. But one thing that I – it's going to be tough, man, because one thing that I see is if you do bring Chris Paul off the bench, which kind of has to happen, if you bring Chris Paul off the bench, you're going to have two drastic ways of playing from your starting starting team to your your, your second team. But – you're going to have John Kaminga in the second team. You're going to have, uh, what's his name, uh, Moses Moody as your second team. So I just don't know how that fits. Now, I, w- I did originally think that they were going to move Chris Paul again. But when you hear, but but then again, Harry, you, you hear that they expect to keep Chris Paul. Okay. Well, they also did say just a couple of days ago that Jordan Poole was their future. So I just don't know the fit. I do like the fact of, you know, if Chris Paul is able to change his game and, and speed up his game, which I don't think is going to happen, but you do get a mature 
offensive minded and one of the best assist guards in the league. You do get him at your at your you know second team, so he can mentor maybe a Jonathan Kaminga and a Moody or something like that. I do like that, and I do like the fact of. It just brings another ball handler, which is another reason why I don't think that it's going. It, it, he could work on the on the first team because Chris Paul thrived the ball in his hand. Um, Draymond Green is the primary ball handler for the first team. You also have Steph Curry that I, I just don't see it working. So I don't know, man. I, I hope Golden State's not done. What what it looks like is Chris Paul might agree or is probably going to agree to restructure his deal. Then in that case, that that leaves maybe, you know, Golden State maybe get someone like a Brooke Lopez, maybe get someone like a Chris Middleton, which but it's looking like Chris Middleton is probably likely to go back to to um, Milwaukee. So I don't know, man. I, I, it's a weird fit. Chris Paul and in, in Golden State, but we'll see how it goes. This is the new age of Golden State without Bob Myers. And this is obviously the first move, so we'll we'll see how it goes. And another trade, obviously, that happened was the the big Washington the three way the three way deal. Washington gets Tyus Jones, um, Memphis gets Marcus Smart, and the Boston Celtics get Porzingis. And all you're hearing is. Let's let's talk about each each team and how it affects them. Let's start with the Boston Celtics getting, of course, the best player pretty much out of that draft or out of that trade package, and that is Christos Porzingis. A lot of people are saying that they the Boston Celtics should now be title favor or title favorites, definitely favorites in the East. I will say this. You're not getting a defender. You're getting a, a a taller, better shooter. He's he's pretty much a better Al Horford and a younger Al Horford. Um, and he, but he's tall. He's like seven three. Uh, I think I, I'm interested to see how it how he plays alongside Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, um, and how he's able to fit in. And if they ask him to play defense, how that's. Uh, I thought Mike Muscala was going to be a big part of Boston. I, I was obviously wrong. So I do, and of course he's better than Mike Muscala by a lot. Uh, I think that this does definitely, or at least should make Boston the favorites in the East. Uh, the only thing is I need to see how Porzingis plays defensively in this system because we know that one of the biggest issues for Boston last year was defense. Um and late game situations, so I, I that it, it does bring on another score and another not score another really shoot another shooter, but I don't know. I'm interested to see. I think that he could he would fit he he could fit dividend or he could fit seamlessly offensively, but what does that do defensively? And it it, it allows you to take some pressure off Al Horford, who is about to be forty, so. For Memphis, I also understand it. You, you need a you drastically need a, a veteran in that locker room, and you also need a guard that is going to be able to take up uh, or take the mantle 
for the team while John Moran is out for suspension or with suspension. And I think Marcus Smart would be really good. And Marcus Smart, as as far as his defensive intensity, as far as just his his sheer um, the makeup of who he is fits Memphis perfectly. I think that it's a perfect fit for Memphis. Um, I am interested to see what happens when John Morant comes back, and is Marcus Smart gonna be gonna be willing to take a bench role? Because I, there ain't no way he's starting over John Morant, in my opinion. Ain't no way he's starting over uh, Desmond Bain. And I don't think Desmond Bain is tall enough, and nor do I want Desmond Bain to slide to this forward position where Dylan Brooks was. So, which that might happen. I just don't. How tall? How tall is Desmond Bain? Desmond Bain is 6'5". Uh, and I under, okay, so I understand Dylan Brooks is six six, but I just don't want Del. I I I rather Dylan Desmond Baines to stay at the two, but more than likely they're probably going to put him at the three and move. So Marcus Smart probably is going to start. I don't know. I don't know how that works offensively, but hey, it is what defensively it'll be pretty good, I guess. Uh, and for the Wizards again, they are just doubling down on the rebuild. And but they did get two really good guards. Again, you got Jordan Poole in the Golden State Warriors trade, and you have Tyus Jones, who is widely considered probably the best bench guard or bench point guard or backup point guard in the league. Uh, I think it's uh, Washington is in a rebuild, and you're getting you're getting pretty good players, which I which I do like. So I think that I'm interested to see. There's we're still waiting on the Clippers. The Clippers are going to have to make some moves uh, as far as to get under the apron. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping Golden State is not done. If Golden State's done making moves, then the championship window, in my opinion, is probably closed uh, because they didn't address the biggest issue they need to address. Now, if they get Brooke Lopez or they get somebody of his caliber, yeah. Um, but hey, we'll see. Uh, but that there you have it man that has actually no no i forgot it this is the second episode in a row that i'm going to end with damian lillard so all the reports that you heard from damian lillard was of course he wasn't he wanted the portland trailblazers to trade the third overall pick um because he just didn't want to be part of a youth movement. He wanted vets and he wanted his opportunity to win a championship. And as you can as you see, every championship team has a star and of course is a team full of vets. You it's very hard to win the league and it's very hard for young players to turn into to to winning or turn into championship level players. Especially fast. And I thought that it would not be a smart idea for the Portland Trailblazer organization to trade the third overall pick unless you were getting like a star star, which I doubt. Um, yeah, bro, Dame, it's time to go, bro. It's time to go. I understand. I understand, bro. I understand. It is time to go. And I think what what people fail to acknowledge and fail to understand is that people don't want Dame to leave because they just they just don't like Portland. They want Dame to leave because he is talented enough to make 
bro, you put Dame on on Miami, you put Dame on uh a lot of teams. They are championship caliber teams. You put Dame on Philly, championship championship favorite in my opinion. Even with this Boston Celtics trade. But Dame just continues to do the whole loyalty thing, which as we saw, IE did did you hear Marcus Smart thought he was going to get he was going to retire and wanted to retire a Celtic. They sent him to Memphis so fast. When they saw that they can get Porzingis, who was a better player than Marcus Smart. There is no loyalty in sports, bro. Leave. Cuz it looks like the organization, what it seems like is an organization and Damian Lillard are playing chicken. Like they know the time is up. But the the organization doesn't want to look bad and just ultimately trade Dame. And Dame doesn't want to look bad and say, I don't want to leave. Bruh, leave. It's, it's actually kind of clear that the organization doesn't want Dame there anymore anyways. They want to start their rebuild. Because you get Scoot Henderson, who plays the same exact position as Damian Lillard. And I don't see Damian Lillard moving to the shooting guard position. I think I don't think Scoot Henderson is a good enough shooter to move to a shooting guard position. You also have Anthony Simons. So what's it? Leave, Dame. Please leave. Please leave. And there you have it, man. That has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly appreciate you guys. If you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. Have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your unpopular podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to if you're listening. Please subscribe to if you're watching. It definitely means a lot to me. I'm trying to reach a thousand subscribers by my birthday. Uh, I'm 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 close, man. Uh, a little over a hundred, man, or a little over 160, I think. So anything will help, man. I appreciate you guys. Also, please subscribe to the socials. Subscribe to TikTok. Subscribe to Instagram. Links in the description below. I drop content pretty much daily. Uh, yeah, man. And until next time, much love. Mm-hmm.